Welcome to This Week in Woke with me, your host, the lovable Rob Smith. We've got quite a few stories today, so I'm going to jump into it. Let's start with Duke University. Duke University is a school filled with a bunch of cheaters and perfidious and vile, ill-mannered Yankees. Well, this week, Duke has done two things. Their divinity school had a church service where God was referred to as the great queer one. Mm -hmm. Watch for yourself. The holy and queer one be with you. Good morning and welcome to worship. My name is Caroline Camp. I use she, they pronouns. I am the communications coordinator for Duke Divinity Pride and I am ecstatic to see this worship space so full and so vibrant with color. Thank you all for being here at the first ever Divinity Pride worship collaboration. want to thank everybody who had a hand in making this happen, from the chaplain's office to those who folded the bulletins, to the music, and to you. Thank you for being here today. We at Divinity Pride want to create a worship space that honors and celebrates all of our unique and good identities. Today you will hear from four amazing speakers and three beautiful soloists who will give words to their experiences with the God who calls them. We want to affirm everyone to be who they truly are, to step into the Holy One's fire that burns away all that says we are not good enough and refines us by the Pentecostal fire to be who exactly the great queer one calls us to be. Let the spirit move you today. Lift your hands and your voices and dance in whatever way is most freeing for you. Would you please stand, step into this worship space and pray with me the words found in your bulletin and on the screen. Strange one, fabulous one, fluid and ever becoming one. Do not allow us to make our ideas of you into an idol. You are as close to us as our own breath, and yet your essence transcends all that we can imagine. You are mother, father, and parent. You are sister, brother, and sibling. You are drag queen and trans man and gender fluid, incapable of limiting your vast expressions of beauty. Embodied in us, your creation, we recognize our flesh in all its forms is made holy in you. With thanksgiving, we celebrate your manifestation in all its glorious forms. Blessed are our bodies. Blessed is our love. Blessed are we when we celebrate that which the world turns away. Fill our hearts with a pride rooted in resistance to all that seeks to destroy. Duke University Press also released a new book, Circuits of the Sacred, A Phagatology of the Black Latinx Caribbean. 
In response, Darren J. Beatty simply said, look at this low IQ nonsense. Conservative commentator Mike Cernovich admitted he thought it was a racist meme and was mortified to realize it wasn't a joke at all. That's how ridiculous all this is. Doesn't end with Duke. More woke nonsense comes from another elite bastion of academia, a school that I actually attended, Cambridge University. A dean, the Reverend Dr. Michael Banner of Trinity College, who has a background in both theology and biology, came to the defense of a sermon where Jesus was stated to be transgender. Joshua Heath, a junior research fellow who delivered the controversial sermon, displayed Renaissance and medieval paintings of this crucifixion that depicted a side wound that the guest preacher likened to a vagina. He, I'm sorry for laughing, Jesus Christ. Oops, yep, Jesus Christ, there you go. Uh, Heath, whose PhD was supervised by the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, also told worshipers that in the prayer book of Bonn of Luxembourg from the 14th century, this side wound was isolated and takes on a decidingly vaginal appearance. God, Jesus, my mother, please forgive me for what I'm about to say next. He's referred to Christ's penis in historical art as a welcoming rather than hostile response towards the raised voices of trans people. This went on for some time before he concluded with, in Christ's simultaneously masculine and feminine body, if the body of Christ, as these works suggest, the body of all bodies, then his body is also a trans body. Of course, the congregation was horrified. The Daily Telegraph reported that many people were driven to tears by the distress of this sermon. Some shouted heresy. <laughs> and the community is in an uproar. A Trinity College spokesman said this. The sermon explored the nature of religious art in the spirit of thought-provoking academic inquiry and in keeping with open debate and dialogue at the University of Cambridge. Hey, Trinity College, let's send Joshua Heath to a local mosque to tell them about the trans body of the Prophet Muhammad. If it isn't well received, would you defend him and free speech? Then or will you throw him under the bus? I think we know the answer to that one. Bloody, Bloody Mars! <laughs> We're gonna stay in merry old England for a while as we visit the Welcome Collection, which is a free museum of medical artifacts that has an interesting approach to museum displays. You don't get to see them. That's right, people. Instead of getting to see old artifacts, you get to see a blue placard explaining how offensive the artifacts are. You see, Henry Welcome started this collection in the 19th century. The aim then was to acquire vast numbers of objects that would enable a better understanding of the art and science of healing throughout the ages. 
But the woke stewards of the collection did not want you to see the artifacts of primitive civilizations, often people of color, in an exhibit titled Medicine Man. Apparently, they were offended by the history of ancient belief systems. Their woke sensibilities were embarrassed. So they came up with their own subterfuge and said, who did these objects belong to? How were they acquired? What gave us the right to tell these stories? Instead of answering their own questions, the welcome collection is not showing you the collection. Indeed, they shut the collection down. So Mr. Welcome, who funded the museum in an effort for all people to learn about religion and medicine throughout the ages, is a bad guy because they are upset that these primitive civilizations were primitive. What absolute simple-minded idiots. Lamar Odom, y'all remember him? Former NBA champ, played with the Lakers and Kobe and was the sixth man of the year. Well, he's in the news again for saying, go the gorilla is racist. Go the gorilla is the mascot of the Phoenix Suns. I mean, I'm a Suns fan and we've been dealing with Are you? the cheapest uh, owner in basketball for the last. Well, I feel bad for the Suns fans because they ain't gonna never get what probably, which I probably deserve, probably to change the mascot. What does that mean? You don't like the gorilla? No. Do you think there's like some racial connotations with the Suns gorilla? Come on, bro. And the, the thing that's funny is like they kind of like slick, slid that one by for all these years. Nobody like says anything about that. Well, okay. It is random. Gorillas in the desert. They, well, I, you can't find any. Well, that's what I was going to say. You could probably find a cactus or... In terms of like the animal chosen... We're in Phoenix. It's the Suns. I don't know what the Suns. Basketball, bro. It's just like, come on. I'm just saying though, yeah, it's not good representation because Phoenix is like the last city to recognize Dr. King okay. as a as a come holiday. On, man. Now I already know. No, Phoenix has the gorilla. Some, okay, we do have some terrible histories. In it's just like how they changed the what they changed the Redskins and the Indian mm, to the Commanders. Yeah, I think it's probably probably about that time as a woke young black man in America right now in this climate. I'm surprised Chris Paul hasn't said anything about it. You know what it is, man? The Suns Gorilla is so popular in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> I bet it is. It's like, and that guy, and and the uh, mascot is one like mascot of the year so much. Yeah. yeah, and then there's a wild, crazy gorilla. He ain't like tamed or nothing like that. Nah, he's a pretty chill gorilla. Nah. Motherfucker jumping out off the roof and all that. <laughs> I mean, he's a mascot. I've been, I'm not, nah, I've been watching it though. I'm, I'm hip to it. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, at 42, I'm just, I'm just looking at toes that things totally different. I or, I'm 43. I respect me. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lamar, I know between passing out in brothels and abusing drugs and alcohol, you don't have much time for using this beauty. But after a quick Google search. I found out that for the first 11 seasons of their existence in the NBA, the Suns had no official mascot. An early attempt was made involving a sunflower costume. <laughs> That's going to draw the crowds in. Uh, but it never caught on. Imagine that. In the winter of 1980, a singing telegram sent by a fellow by the name of James Oberhaus 
really loyal fan uh, from Eastern Onion Telegram was sent to the arena in a gorilla costume. Security saw him and suggested that he stay for a while to entertain the fans during the breaks. He kept coming to games until officially invited to be the Sun's mascot. ESPN aired a special feature on the gorilla where he was regarded as the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, and the Michael Jordan of mascots. Go is such an iconic mascot that in 2005, he was elected to be one of the three inaugural members of the Mascots Hall of Fame. Some of you may be thinking, BR, why are you so passionate about this? Well, my good friend Steve used to play for the Suns, and I taught that boy how to shoot free throws flawlessly. the funny moment the referee throws the ball during his ritual ouch he says why <laughs> we all know that steve is an accurate shooter but after all he misses this free throw and my favorite story of the week is about Annabella Rockwell. Oh, yeah. She's the heiress to a pharmaceutical fortune. She grew up in Manhattan's Upper East Side, summered in Newport, and later moved with her family to Palm Beach. Well, mom and dad had to get her some special help. Therapy, if you will. She had to be deprogrammed from being woke. She went to Mount Holyoke. Say that I arrived at Mount Holyoke, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, so excited to be there in 2011. And as soon as I got there, I was told that, you know, I should refer to myself as a first year, not a freshman, because we were at historically women's college. I was left a note in my mailbox saying, he may be a she, she may be a he, don't assume anyone's gender. And I thought, oh, okay, like that's new. Uh, and then the last thing was we had the moho chop, which was this ritualistic haircut that people did in the first semester where everyone would shave their head. Rockwell had this to say, and I quote, I left school very anxious, very nervous, very depressed and sad. I saw everything through the lens of oppression and bias and victimhood. I came to the school as someone who saw everyone equally. I left looking for injustice wherever I could and automatically assuming that all white men were sexist. My thoughts were no longer my own. Rockwell, despite coming from an insane level of what the left likes to call privilege, viewed herself as a victim, a wind-up toy of a controlling mother. Professors even encouraged estrangement from her family and offered their homes to these students, according to Rockwell. She spent the next few years working for various Democrat campaigns, 
including Big Ankle's Hillary Clinton, before going home to get a handle on a drinking problem she had. Rockwell's mother never gave up on her and assembled a team to help her daughter. Mama Rockwell described the experience as a tightrope where one wrong move could end up meaning not seeing her daughter for months. Underneath it all, we joke about the lunacy on college campuses, but the real cost is not that they'll vote Democrat. The real cost is that they won't love their parents anymore. And that's, that's the most upsetting part of it, I think. So how did you get better? So in this panic of me not communicating with my mother, she consulted a cult specialist. Uh, this person gave her devastating statistics that most people don't make it out, but a glimmer of hope that it tends to be young women who do. So she spoke to him and he made it very clear to her, do not affirm your daughter's newfound identity. You know her best. She is your child. Don't affirm yes. her. So she was taught how to communicate with me. Annabella Rockwell had this to say about her mother. If my mom had not kept harping at me and not given up, I know where I would be right now. Mount Holyoke met its match in my mother. If it wasn't for her, I'd probably be living in Massachusetts, working for some super progressive politician, hanging out with people I had nothing in common with except ideology and drinking all the time and I'd be miserable. But I'd be too stubborn to look at myself in the mirror. I had to really humble myself to admit that I was wrong and that everything I was told was so hypocritical. Rockwell now works for Dennis Prager and fundraises for him. She even sat down with him to talk about her journey. Politics is a lot like war. You gotta aim for the hearts and minds and sounds like Mama Bear is a straight shooter. So folks, until next week, remember, watch Rob is Right every day, say your prayers, and eat your vegetables. This is Rob Smith signing off. Sayonara, mother That's problematic!